0: Our lesson tonight is the would have been the final lesson in the series there at camp. Uh, that series was power and glory. Tonight's lesson is looking at my power in Christ. My power being a reference to the power that the Christian has in Christ. And so I want to show this evening the power that the Christian does have in Christ. We want to do the first thing about that word power. Power is defined as the ability to do something or to act in a particular way. And the Christian does have the ability to do certain things or to act in a particular way through Christ. But our focus is really looking at the ability to do something. The abilities we have are granted to us through Christ. We want to begin tonight looking at our very first point, looking at the the Christian's power in Christ, beginning first looking uh, particularly at the powerful prayer that the Christian has in Christ, because Christians do have the ability to, to go to God in prayer and have their prayers heard and answered by God. We pray to God through Christ. We have the ability to make our requests known to God as we find in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God, and there are numerous, there are several references there to prayer there in verse six. First, prayer, and then supplication, and then thanksgiving, all different types of prayers. So and he says here in verse six that your requests be made known to God. We want to make our requests made known to God, and we do that through prayer. We find in verse seven he says, "And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." When we go to God in prayer, we should find peace because we know as a Christian that God hears and will answer our prayers according to His will. And that should give us peace. It should bring us comfort as you find there in verse 7. Knowing that God has heard our prayer and that God will answer our prayers in accordance to His will. We remember also, of course, that God's wisdom is, is far beyond our own. So He will answer our prayers in accordance to His wisdom and in accordance to His will. But you find there in verse 6, when we pray to God, he says there in verse 6, but everything, in everything, we pray to God about everything. Those things that may seem trivial, those things that may seem so very daunting, and yes, we pray to God in the sunshine and in the rain, when we think about the times we pray to God in our life. And we find there in verse 6 also that when we pray to God about everything, that we will find no reason to be anxious about things as well. He tells us to be anxious for nothing, that is, do not worry or dwell, I think, of many times upon so many things. And again, we'll find the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Prayer is a powerful tool of the Christian. However, it's also one that, in my opinion, is, is too often used, uh, too little. That is, it's a very powerful tool, but it's not used very often. We find in the latter part of James 5 and verse 16, he says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Avails much. That is, that when the righteous pray to God, it is of great help. It it does help a lot. It it is effective, and when it, it is a fervent prayer offered by a righteous man, we know that's a reference to the Christian, and it does us much good. I may have told this illustration once before, but I'll do it again anyway. When I was in South Carolina, I was visiting a member's mother in the hospital, and. The member was there, and her mother was there, and the chaplain or whatever it was had just left that room. And we were talking before I left. She said, "Would you pray for us?" Not intending to, anyway. I said, "Well, yeah." She said, "But what I remember her saying is, her saying was that she said the chaplain just left, and she said I know his prayer did not go past the ceiling. And what she meant by that was that God's not going to answer his prayer. He's not going to respond to the prayer." of a person who's not a Christian, because chaplain's not all the time. And chaplain's just a term to apply to many people who come to the hospital and will go room to room. That's just a title they give. But many times it's commonly applied to those who are dominational, uh, and that's what it was definitely in his case. And so she asked me to pray for her and her mother there, because she knew that the prayers are of much good, and they are effective. And we need to have that same mindset, that we believe in the power of prayer. We also find that Christian has only power in prayers but also we have access to powerful care. We have access to powerful care. Christ and Godly Father care for us. As we find in Matthew we are reminded in Matthew 11 verse 28 where Christ says, Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That is a plea from Christ for us who come to Him. He says there come to me all you who labor Christ is not nitpicky. He doesn't say, all oh, you have the easy stuff, all oh, you have the trivial things, you come to me. But all you people who have the very difficult problems, very strenuous things, you keep those to yourself. No, that's not what Christ said. He says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, which means those who are really burdened down with, the, with those pains and difficulties of life, he tells us and encourages us to come to him by saying, all you who labor and are heavy laden. We find in verse 28, He says, And I will give you rest. True comfort, just like we saw in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, comes when we put our trust in God. And we rely upon God to answer our prayers, and we rely on God to take care of us. Christ also tells us that we will put Him first, that our daily needs will be met. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 31 and following, we've seen that very same idea. When He says, Therefore, you don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So he mentions there and categorizes those things there as needful things, not wantful things or desires, but needful things. And he tells us in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. See, first, the kingdom of God is the idea that we put God first, we follow Him, we obey His Word, and we, He is the focus in our life, He tells us there in verse 33, and His righteousness, we seek God's will, we seek to do God's uh, Word and to obey Him. He tells us, as a result, these things shall be added to you, those needful things He mentions there in verse 32. He tells us there in verse 34, because of all these things, therefore, which means because all things we have already said, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about those things that pertain to tomorrow, the things we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, all those types of things. He says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We are to, to focus on today and putting God first today. We'll worry about tomorrow if it does indeed arrive. Not in the sense we actually worry about it, but we will deal with it at that time. So the, the Christian has power in Christ by powerful prayers and in the form of powerful care. But also, we want to remember that in Christ, the Christian also has the power to overcome. Because we know we have powerful things, we have powerful tools. We also have the ability to overcome various things because of the powerful tools that God has given us. We have the powerful strength to overcome temptations. We look at First Corinthians chapter ten. We find that Paul, speaking by inspiration, by inspiration tells us that God has given us the tools to overcome any t- temptation, trial or hardship. he says, No temptation has overtaking such as common to man. Which means there are those who have been where you are before. We're not the first ones who have lost a loved one, not the first ones who have been deathly ill at times. We're not the first ones who have had loved ones deathly ill. We're not the first ones who have had various hardships that come upon us. There are those who have come before us who have endured similar things and many times much much worse. So he tells us, No temptation has overtaking such as common to man which tells us we can know how to deal with it we take the advice also of those who have gone before us. He says here in verse 13, but God is faithful. And that is the key part of that verse, God is faithful. We may not always be faithful to God, but He is also always loyal and faithful to us. He says in verse 13, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. With the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is not the idea that God actually withholds things because He thinks He can't overcome them. But instead, the idea that God gives us the tools to overcome whatever may come down our path. He tells us there in verse 13, with the temptation, we'll also make the way of escape. How do we find that way of escape? We've already talked about prayer as one way of escape. We've already talked about bringing our concerns and our care to God and, and and coming to Him all those who labor and heavy laden, right? Matthew chapter 11, 28. And so that's one way, or two ways, in which God has made a way of escape for us. Then He says in verse 13, that you may, may be able to bear it. Bear it doesn't mean that you avoid it. It means that you plow along through it anyway, and you remain strong, and you remain faithful to God, and you come out the other side a stronger and more faithful and loyal servant to God. We also know that Christ shows us by His example... That we can overcome temptation and hardship, we will remain true to His Word. Matthew 4, verse 4, verse 7, and verse 10. All reference to the times in Christ was tempted by Satan, there in Matthew 4. And each time He, he uses the phrase, it is written, when He replies to, to Satan in His temptation. And for us today, when we are tempted by uh, various individuals or various things in our life, we go back to the Word of God and we can be reminded about how we ought to handle those things. Christ is our example on how to how to handle the most extreme situations. As we know, Christ was uh, tempted attempted and harassed more than perhaps well more than anyone else on the earth, right? God has given us the tools to overcome anything. We look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, Grace and peace multiply to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him, He called us by glory and virtue. Notice there verse 3 tells us He's given us everything that we need. He's given us everything that we need. When we begin to take on any task, then we usually sit down and say, okay, what do I need to do to complete this task? If you're talking about doing work in your car, you're thinking about parts, you're thinking about... Uh, the tools required to do those things. You're thinking about doing things on your home. It's the same idea, isn't it? We think about that we have the proper tools, the proper materials, that we have the knowledge to do those things. And we find here in verse 3, it's the same thing, but here in the spiritual sense. Do we have all we need to remain faithful to God in this life? Yes, we do. He tells us there in verse 3, He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And He tells us how through the knowledge of Him the knowledge of Christ, we have the ability to overcome these things, because when we know Christ, we will know how to overcome these things through His Word. He says, By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the, in, that is in the world through lust. Because we have been given the tools to overcome these things, because Christ is faithful, because God is faithful, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, we can overcome anything that comes our way because God has given us the tools to do those things through His Son and through the, through the inspired Word. We have the tools we, we need to overcome anything. We have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we have powerful strength to overcome temptations. We also have powerful victory in Christ. The Christian alone has powerful victory. No one else has powerful victory. No one who is outside the body of Christ can know this powerful victory. We must be in Christ to know this type of victory. We know that in Christ, the Christian obtains a victory over the second death. No one outside the body of Christ has obtained the victory over the second death. Only Christ has done that. Only we can take, take advantage of that when we are in Christ. Looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He says, Who has saved us, and called us to the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was, in, was, was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He tells us there in verse 9 that we cannot get to heaven by our own works, we cannot save ourselves, matter how many good things we do, but it was given to us according to, to Christ, or to God's own purpose, and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. How was grace given to us in Christ Jesus? By Him laying down His life on the cross for us, grace was given to us. Verse 10, but, has now, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. How are we given this victory through Christ? How has death been abolished and brought life and immortality to life? It is through the gospel. The gospel tells us what Christ has done for us. The gospel tells us what we need to do in regards to our own obedience and to be able to take advantage of what Christ has done for us. We find all those, all those things revealed to us in the gospel. So, so therefore, He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. When we obey that gospel plan of salvation we find revealed in the New Testament. We also know that the Apostle Paul trusted in the Father and the victory of Christ over death. Therefore, we find Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, the other part of verse 12, he says, For I know whom I have believed, he says, and am persuaded that he is able able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul was convinced, he believed, he was persuaded that Christ was able to keep what he had committed to him. What did Paul commit to Christ? Everything. He committed his soul to Christ on the day he was converted. We, too, commit everything we have. We commit our whole entire being. We commit our soul to Christ when we obey the gospel. He says here in verse 12, he says, For I know whom I have believed and persuaded, per, persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. That day being the day of judgment. He knows that in Christ... We will have heaven as our home. He knows that on the day of judgment he will be given entrance to the heavenly home because he has committed to, to Christ everything that he has, his entire being. And we today can can follow that same idea as well. When we commit everything we have to Christ, we know whom we have committed those things to, and we can be persuaded that he is able to keep what we have committed to him until that day. The Christian has been given great power. In Christ, we could think about some other things that Christ has given to us, given to the Christian. We know that He has given us great and tremendous fellowship. He has given us great and tremendous love for one another and love from God. We know He has given us so very much in this life. He has blessed us not only with spiritual blessings, but He has blessed us with physical blessings as well. They may not be what we think they should be, but it doesn't mean that God has not blessed us with those things. The Christian is given great power through Christ. But if we think about those things, we find the Christian is given a powerful communication tool through prayer. Think about this for a second. God only answers the prayers of who? The righteous. God only answers the prayers of the righteous. He responds and gives gives, our answer, gives His answer to us. You know, that powerful care through His promises and the written word is only granted to the Christian. The non-Christians can read about it, but never enjoy it until they obey the gospel. So we have powerful care through His promises and the written word. We have the powerful ability to overcome whatever may come down our path. We can overcome whatever, whatever is waiting for us, whatever hardship, physical, spiritual, health, financial, whatever it may be. We can overcome those things. And the Christian has been given powerful victory over sin and the second death. All these things are only for the Christian. All powerful attributes are found only in Christ. If we're going to have these powerful tools, we must be able to be—we be part of the body of Christ. You think about, sometimes you see the sell ads, and sometimes they will say, you know, you have the coupons. Some of them used to have coupons you print out or cut out. You bring them in, you can get the sale price or whatever it was you walk into the store without it would you get that sale price? No. If you walk into the store before the sale begins, do you get the sale price? No. If you walk into the store and you don't buy the, you do the buy one, get one free, but you say, I don't want to buy the first one, I just want the free one. Do you get it? No. So you have to follow the rules. And what do we do today? We will have these powerful blessings from Christ. We follow the rules to use that phrase. We follow God's word. We obey the gospel so we can have those things that Christ has done for us, we can take advantage of those things that Christ has done for us, and therefore we can have heaven as our home one day. All powerful attributes are found only in Christ. We think about Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. He says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself, it is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. It is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. History teaches us repeatedly that we cannot make it to heaven on our own. You go back and look in the Old Testament you look yes even in the New Testament as well you find those who try to do things their own way but they never were pleasing the sight of God when you go back and look at history of the Old Testament you find those who worship idols those who worship false gods of all types and all forms and they never found what was pleasing to God because they were not following God only themselves we move in the New Testament you find men like the Pharisees and Sadducees who were creating laws not in traditions they were in contradiction in the Word of God, as Christ himself said, how they had made the law of God no effect by their tradition. They're trying to do things their own way. Well, it didn't work. That's why Jeremiah gives us this reminder even back during his day and still applies for us today. When he tells us, he says, "I know the way of man is done in himself. You think about that phrase "I know," which means he understands. He gets it. We cannot do things. Our own way. Jeremiah's realizing he can do whatever he wanted and then still be pleasing in the sight of God. That's why he says, Another way of man is not in himself. He says, It is not in man. He walks, and directs his own steps. What he's telling us is, man does not possess the ability to get to heaven on our own. We must be a part of the body of Christ. We must put our obedient faith in Christ. Mankind does not possess spiritual power or spiritual victories. Only Christ grants them, grants those things to man. And it's only granted to us by Christ when we obey his word and the gospel. Second Timothy chapter 1, looking at verse 10, tells us, But now has been, has been revealed by the appearing of our Lord, by our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life for the gospel. It has been granted to us by Christ. How? When we obey his word and the gospel. You know, it's, it's difficult sometimes, or it's... Maybe it's frustrating when you hear people talk about God in, in ways that really seems to be only in reference to doing works. You hear people talk about how they have helped, maybe helped the needy, maybe they've helped the poor, they've, they've fed the poor, they've clothed the poor, they've helped pay bills for the poor, but yet their focus is on the benevolent side, but we don't hear much about the spiritual side. No doubt those things are good, but if we want to have heaven as our home, we have to be those who have obeyed the gospel. We can do all types of works, all types of good things that are, that are kind and generous, but unless we obey the gospel, we'll never have heaven as our home. We'll never have the, the, all, the powers and the abilities granted to the Christian. They're only found in Christ, as Paul told those in Ephesus. He says, all uh, spiritual blessings are in Christ. You think about that, if all spiritual blessings are in Christ, and they are, if all these powerful tools we talked about this evening are in Christ only, and they are, if all those powerful abilities granted to us are only in Christ, and they are, where should we be? Well, we should be in Christ. We should be those who want to obey the gospel. We should be those who want to do what is right and pleasing to God. And so we all think about the power of the Christian, that the Christian has in Christ. Remember, you must be in Christ and enjoy these wonderful blessings. We think about the gospel plan of salvation, and I worded it, I don't remember exactly how I worded it in camp, but it was similar to what I'm about to say now. The gospel plan of salvation is not difficult to obey. Hearing the word of God is not difficult. And based on how we have heard, we believe that Jesus, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God that's not difficult. In a sense it's not physically difficult, right? It's not something that we cannot do. It's not beyond our ability. So hearing believing, that's not difficult to do. Repenting our sins, that can be difficult in the sense that we have to recognize our sins and, and realize we need to change. Are we able to do that as a human being? Yes we are. The ability to confess that Christ is the Son of God, that's not beyond our ability because we have heard the Word of God when we believe that Christ is the Son of God and we repent of our sins confessing Him as the Son of God should not be difficult for us to do and then we, immerse, we are immersed in baptism as we find in Acts 2 verse 38 for the mission of our sins and we are placed in the body of Christ Galatians 3 verse 27 none of those things are difficult to do if we are humble enough to do it they're not something that is going to be, going to be physically draining of us are they? You think about what God requires of us. We know He requires us to hear, to believe, to repent, confess, be baptized, and then to remain faithful to Him. Have you ever thought about what the world, the denomination world says God requires? Say a prayer and what? Accept Christ into your heart? You know, in the biblical sense, how do we do that? If we're going to say that in a biblical sense. How do we do that? Well, obey the gospel. But well, we know the domination world doesn't mean that, do they?
1: So they ask us to do something that is not physically able to, to be done without the proper steps of God's plan for man's
0: salvation. So is that difficult to do according to man's plan? Yes it is. Because how can you accept something when you haven't heard it or b- really believed in it? Or repent of your sins or confess Christ or bring mercy in baptism? How can you put, ask Christ into your heart so to speak without doing those things? Well that's not possible. You know, some say you must be able to, to speak in tongues. Well, the Bible tells us that is a an impossibility. Those things have come to an end. So others will say you must come forward and kneel at a mourner's bench and pray until the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you are saved. Well, that's difficult to do because that's not possible to be done. So what must we do? We must obey the gospel as we finally reveal the New Testament. And that is the easiest plan to obey when our hearts it's right, and we decide that heaven is indeed worth it all. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now. As we stand and sing the song that's been selected.